0: Welcome to the Zach Hiley Show. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down with my dad, Ivan Gergel. So my dad was born in London, where he went to medical school and became a psychiatrist. Uh, he then joined a pharmaceutical company called GlaxoSmithKline, uh, developing new antidepressant drugs, famously some SSRIs, which I think we're all familiar with today. Uh, this took him to the U.S., where he started our family with my mom. Uh, and while there, he was still part of these pharmaceutical companies, and he was responsible for the running of hundreds of clinical. Clinical trials, directed R&D for multiple pharmaceutical companies, and personally led the development of 14 new therapies, including Lexapro, Paxil, and Namenda, that have had fantastic impacts on patients' lives. He is currently working in healthcare investing with new startup drug and device companies. And today, we will be discussing everything around how drugs are made and how they're approved for use in the USA, including everything about the FDA, clinical trials, and selling flowers from my backyard as a cure for baldness. Welcome, Dad. (laughs) So, I think the first question I want to ask, because this is something I didn't really know about in the beginning, right? Because I thought medicine, anyone can sell medicine what is the FDA and what's the point of the FDA?
1: So the FDA is the Food and Drugs Administration. So they essentially regulate uh, drugs or medicines as, and they de- uh, regulate foods, foodstuffs. Um, as well as medicines, they, they also regulate devices, um, for example. So that, that's what they are. Um, <clears throat> They've really been around for quite a while but they sort of they first did their big bit of regulation back in the 1930s um, Before that time there were some medicines that came to market and you know they caused significant harm and death. Um, do you remember any of these medicines that- no do I remember no so there, there was, was so the FDA was brought into place in the 30s they, they, they regulate I think it went goes back into the there was some sort of regulation okay not a Historian, but it, yes. it's, but you know, I think there was it around the mid eighteen hundreds, like eighteen fifties, mm-hmm. something like that. I think there was some agency developed to. I think at the time it was developed, uh, or, or uh, its, its purpose was to regulate imports of, of medicines or things that were supposed to be medicines mm-hmm. from abroad. Uh, in the thirties, um, following a disaster. Uh, where many people died with a certain medicine. I can't recall the name. Um, they then started regulating safety. I see. Safety of medicines. Um, I think the big... Uh, they had a big... Win is, the ba- is a bad word for it. But in 1960, there was a, there was a drug on the market called thalidomide, uh, mm. which is quite famous, mm-hmm. um, that was approved in Europe um and the head of the FDA at the time or senior person at FDA wouldn't allow it to be approved in the U.S and thalidomide actually caught had what what they call teratogenic effects which means it affects the embryo in 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 the uterus and it causes um sort of malformations of the human body as as the as the embryo is developing and and therefore it had very um, Sort of, there are people who had limb issues and eye issues who were born with limb and eye issues in Europe. Um, and, it, and it didn't come to the US. So that was seen as a big. Sort because of the FDA. So the FDA,
0: of the F- and of course the FDA only regulates things in America. Yes. So, the, that's so right. it was blocking those things from America. So it protected these babies. It from, protected. For these.
1: future babies from thalidomide. That's great. That's right. Um, and then in 1962, as well as regulating safety, uh, FDA started to regulate efficacy. In other words, does it actually work? Mm. It's fine, it doesn't do any harm, but does it, does it work? Got it. Does the medicine work? So,
0: tons to unpack here, but I guess my first question is, why can't I go to the backyard, grind up some flowers, and because I believe the ground up flower, I truly believe that the ground up flowers are the cure for baldness. Why can't I just go around saying, like, in America, that this is the cure for baldness?
1: Well, what can you say? Um, you could say this is very good for people who've lost their hair early. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think the bottom line is you can do supplements and all uh, sorts of stuff that doesn't get regulated, yep. by that, but you can't, I can't remember the specifics, but but fundamentally, you can't claim that it either cures, uh, mm. prevents, uh in two other words that escape yeah. me at the moment: a disease state. Mm-hmm. You can't make a claim fundamentally that your crush flowers uh, cure or treat a disease state. You'll see all the time yeah. adverts on TV for things that don't carefully don't doesn't say it treats Alzheimer's, yeah. but it means it, it's things that supposedly help you think clearer. Mm-hmm. You have all these testimonials. You know, I started taking this, and now I can. You know, I can. I can read a book or this sort and the, other. They, but they're very clever, careful not to make a claim, and and that's because they they're not allowed to. So this is an important differentiator, right? Because it's me.
0: I don't really know how to look at these advertisements and stuff like that, right? For example, if you look at. Antibiotics, right? So I looked at a Z-Pack or Zithromax or something like that. They can say, you know, this is helpful in pre- in preventing the duration of someone infected with this disease or something like that, right? And that's because they have this FDA approval. But if I say I want to give this person vitamin C or vitamin D, first I can't say that, right? I can't say this is going to decrease the duration. Like for example, I know tons of people that drink the Airborne supplements, the right. supplements or the right. or the orange C or something like that they have to be very careful about what they say, right? Because there's no; those things aren't actually FDA approved, right? None of right. those things have been gone through trials to say this. the FDA says this is true. But I I guess I'm just wondering, at what point does something have to go through the FDA? Because I can grind up the stuff in my backyard and sell it to people, right? Because it's a, a natural product. Is there a, at a certain point when things, no matter what, because you're giving it to the public, because it's been through some kind of chemical alteration or something like that, it has to go through the FDA? Or does everything have to go through the FDA?
1: No, everything doesn't have to go There's nothing to stop you saying, this. here's a supplement, yeah. a supplement yeah. and, you know, take it, and, you know, this person took it, and he felt better, and you'll probably feel better too. Mm-hmm. It's not treating anything. If you say you'll feel better, you'll feel good if you take this supplement. Let's yeah. say... I'm going to grind this stuff, take this stuff, I grew it in my backyard, it'll make you feel better. Or it'll make you feel good, something like that. It's not saying it's going to treat a disease state Mm -hmm. per se. You can't say it's going to treat a disease state. There are actually great dangers, there are potential dangers in these herbal supplements, etc. There's been stories, uh, there over the years, there have been herbal supplements that have been produced and, and given to, to people, and they're not always harmless. They probably haven't done very much good, but they can actually do some harm. Mm-hmm. So the good thing about a drug is that it's been reviewed not just for its beneficial side effects, but also for its, for its sort of, if it does any harm. And fundamentally, what FDA's role is when it comes to regulating drugs is looking at the risk-benefit. Balance, And if the if the benefit outweighs the risk, the drug will likely be approved. And if the risk outweighs the benefit, it won't. Um, and sometimes they'll put in place risk management plans to sort of observe the drug once it's on the market if they're worried about it. So let's get it, because I think this is hugely
0: important and something I haven't honestly been aware of until the past couple of years, especially being in med school and stuff like that. How? Say I want to submit my drug to the FDA for approval. How, how does that process go? What is step one? If I want to get a drug approved for the <laughs> FDA. This, I know this. you could talk for probably years about this, right? But say, I guess in broad strokes, <clears throat> Excuse me. W- what process do we do to get a drug approved by the FDA? I know I've heard phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four clinical trials. I don't really know what that means. We'll go into that in more specifics later. But in general, how do I start getting my flower cure for baldness approved by the FDA. So
1: you got to have a brilliant idea for a start, yeah. right? So it all starts with an idea. Yeah. You know, uh, Zach's pink flower mm-hmm. is going to treat, I don't know what, arthritis. Mm-hmm. Right, osteoarthritis. Call it osteoarthritis, yep. why not? So you got I think it should treat it because I believe that the cause of osteoarthritis is a lack of whatever's pink in flower. the pink flower, yeah. pink flower, Juice, juice. Yeah, um, in the body, in certain people's bodies. People who get osteoarthritis have a lack, whatever it is in the pink flower that in in their own bodies, right? Or or, or or this juice from this pink flower juice will overcome the lack of something else in their body or whatever. So so firstly, it's it's a great thought, right? It's sort of I got an idea for a better mousetrap. That's the typical thing people say is a better mousetrap, right? So I got a Zach. He's got a great idea for a a better mousetrap. Because he's looked at this pink flower. He studied this pink flower. He knows what all its bits and pieces are, you know, what it's made up of. And there's this particular compound X, which he believes is incredibly likely to to sort of benefit humanity, particularly patients with osteoarthritis. So he says, okay, first of all, I've got to... So um, let's assume that it can be synthesized. So it's a simple... You know, we Then we get into large molecules and small molecules and biologics, and so there's a whole other language. But first thing is, we're going to assume it's very straightforward, right? We're going to assume it's sort of not a, a thousand Daltons molecule. It's something that's easily synthesized. So it's a small thing, about 500 Daltons or something sure. like that.
0: I don't know. How, I have no reference for Daltons. But it's yeah. it's,
1: a, it's a, a size. It's a, it. just a molecular mm-hmm. size, right? So um, anyway. So um, I think it's a Dalton now you got me no staring. don't worry so so it's, <laughs> so we have
0: the molecule from the pink flower that's a certain size right now,
1: what do I do so um now you've got you've got you've worked out what that that structure is, that chemical structure, so you synthesize it right um and then you say, well look um how, how do I test this how do i how do I test whether it works and the you know um, is there anything I can do? You you may come up with a, an idea of how it works. So you could do experiments in a test tube, perhaps or on a lab bench or something, to see if it does something in the laboratory. You know, before any human or animal is involved. So
0: we're not even in any phases at this point.
1: No, this is, is this, this is, called what is this called? This is called discovery. Discovery or okay. research. Got it. So basic research or discovery, Got right? It. So you've you've. Synthesized, you've identified the molecule that you think is active. Um, You've synthesized it in sufficient quantities. And you do experiments in a test tube or or whatever, um, which is called in vitro, um, to see if it does what you think it should do in various chemical reactions, etc. So that's the first thing. The next thing is you might want to say, well, that was good. You know, it, it seems to do what I thought it would do. Uh, now, I'm going to see if it, if it does it in an animal. Now, there might be, and I, I don't know whether there is or isn't, but there's likely to be very good or reasonably good animal models, mouse models, rodent, rat models of, of osteoarthritis, for example. These things sometimes. And what,
0: what does a model of something mean?
1: A model means that you know well. Obviously, the human condition yeah. is osteoarthritis, yeah. which is, you know, and we know what that is, right? So, um, the uh, the model might be that that certain species and let's I'm making this up to some mm-hmm. degree, but let's say there's a rat model. In other words, there is a mat a rat that develops a type of osteoarthritis. Really, what you want is something that exists in a, 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 an animal model that represents a human. And if you do an intervention, in other words, if you treat the animal with this putative uh, cure or, or treatment, then if, it, if the animal model responds, it means it's likely to work in humans. Got it. So, that's, so you're modeling an, a, a, a human illness in, a, in, a, uh, in an animal, basically. Got it. If that makes
0: sense, that makes complete sense. So we've done so we've done discovery, uh, and we found a rat that has bad knees. Yes. And uh, so what's so is the rat with bad knees? Are we is that called something else at this stage when we're looking at the rat? No, that's still that's, discovery, basic research. That's still discovery,
1: basic research. So so when you get to that point, mm-hmm. and you got sufficient evidence, and it hasn't cost you that much money. At that point, you say... How much money is that cost? Oh, I, n- not a lot. I mean, you know, you can do animal models. Yeah, This could cost you... It depends how big the company is. But yeah. if you're doing it in your backyard and you're crushing yeah. it in your own mortar and pestle, you know yeah. what that is, right? <laughs> you'd even sort of... You'd probably take it to... You'd have to take it to a proper lab because this is... Any experiments in animals is is strictly and appropriately strictly regulated, right? You're not allowed to hurt animals. I mean you have got to minimize any discomfort mm-hmm. uh, to to animals as you do these sorts of experiments and um, also we want
0: the data to be good too right if we're if the the rats yes. from my backyard might be different from the rats Well from
1: there. yeah yes that's true okay. um but to some degree, this is about proving to yourself and the people investing in Zach Pharmaceuticals yes. Incorporated nice. that it merits their investment. Got it. So at this point, you may have done this all on your own. You may have got a bit of money from friends and family. We've heard mm-hmm. of friends and yes. family or angel investors mm-hmm. or people like that, right? So that's the first thing. It's probably going to cost less than a million to get that. That's still a lot of money. Well, all, in the grand scheme got, of things, I'm excited. Ske- <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Okay, it all goes up exponentially, yeah. right? So,
0: yeah. So, so, I spent a million on my rats in the lab. Right. I say my data is very, very good.
1: It's yeah. So you've got great, great sort yeah. of, I don't know, response rates in your rats. The inflammation's gone down, right? What with your pain. They're running bar.
0: rat marathons.
1: Everything. Exactly. That's no longer, no longer in pain. Good. You know. So, uh, anyway, so then you go, okay. This, I think, we're we sort of this. this I'm, we're going to do. We're going to turn it up a notch, right? We're going to. The goal here, then, at that point, is to get it into man fundamentally. Your thing it works in a rat. We've done that experiment. We've proven it to ourselves. So the next bit, is not really about proving again that it works in a rat. I mean, yes, that's important information, but the important thing next is to show that it doesn't harm. Rat. Right. And if it's a completely new molecule with a completely new mechanism of action. So, you know, aspirin and and um I'm trying to think of them. The various let's th- the old medicines, um, aspirin, ibuprofen, mm-hmm. diclofenac, you know, the non de- uh, not necessarily acetaminophen, but the non steroidal anti inflammatory. Oh, got it. Protein, okay, right?
0: that's what you're trying to say. The non it, it. insects,
1: yeah. right? Those th- that group of drugs, right? This isn't anything like them. It's whole new mechanism of action. Nice, right? got it. Right? So, so because it's completely new, you know, um, it, it looks fabulous from a curing rat standpoint, but is it dangerous? Does it do things that we don't understand that will harm humans if you put it into them? So, fundamentally, you then have to run all sorts of safety studies. So, um, Are we in any of the phases now yet or no? Well, yeah, I think we can, Yeah, well, loosely speaking. I mean, if, 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 if you treated 50, 50 rats yeah. and 48 of them died, but two of them had really good response to the rosteoarthritis, we'd cut it, I'd hope. We'd cut the program. Yeah. We wouldn't bring it forward, you know. Uh, but, you're, uh, but fundamentally, if you didn't observe anything particularly worrying when you, when you sort of treated those 50 rats in your experiment... Um, then you're ready to go. You're ready to sort of take it to the next stage. And the whole next stage is about what, what you call opening uh, an IND, an investigational new drug. You want it's, it's a weird sort of term, I think, but anyway, you, you've got to file an IND with the FDA. That means you're filing a, a huge amount of information that allows you to initiate your studies in, in human beings. It'll be involuntary is this though. huge
0: amount of information the information from our rat trials is that what well it is? that'll be a part of it that'll okay. be
1: sort of some pharmacology, call it pharmacology okay. some basic pharmacology showing that it did what it did in okay in rats it's called in vivo in a test tube it's in vitro yep. in rats, it's in vivo so we we yeah you know, we did some in vivo experiments mm-hmm. in rats that were pretty pretty good responses mm-hmm. you know in a complete novel mechanism right so mm-hmm. good. So, now we have to, the whole next bit is about, there's, there's sort of three bits, if you like, to what you're going to, how you file your IND. Yeah. The first bit is that pharmacology bit, the reason to believe that it is beneficial. I see. You know, how it treats, we putatively going to treat osteoarthritis. The second bit is showing it's safe. That's a much bigger piece now. So, then you're into what we would call, um, we're into development, at that point, you you go from becoming you know this cookie crazy sort of dude. almost like a
0: startup. With yeah, my,
1: uh, yeah, sort of. But yeah. when before you were sort of you're doing it or wherever you wanted yeah. to do it to prove it worked, right? Got it. Now you go into development, which and, is which is sort of regulated. Um, so for, you know, you, firstly, you have to start producing the molecule in some form of way that you can get it into the into the into and you probably have to study it in two species one will be a rodent species you're looking this is called toxicology mm-hmm. you've got to do toxicology in two likely as not in two species now it could be a, a rat and a dog sometimes it could be a primate uh, for example but often as not in this case it might be a rat and a dog you have to prove in two species fundamentally that you're not going to kill either species and you're not going to do, do um, cause them irreparable harm, etc., etc., right? Or pain or discomfort or you name it. Um, so that's the first bit. That's called, and they have to do that under regulated conditions. So it's called um, GLP. It's a uh, GXP means, refers to various things, but it, it essentially means it's regulated. There's strict rules for how it should be done. GLP is good laboratory practice. So you have to go to a, a lab that has been given a, Sort of a um, clean bill of health mm-hmm. by the regulators. So, to undertake these tox experiments, right? Got so, it. you run the tox, show it doesn't harm anyone. At the same time, you're also um, have got to be showing that you can manufacture the drug in uh, a replicable fashion. Uh, so, it's consistent. So, you know, if I make a tablet, for example, I mean, in, in a uh, Unlike as in a rat, you're likely to feed it by gavage; in other words, drip mm-hmm. it into their mouth. Um, but in humans, you like to give people a tablet, right? But you, what you have to show is that you can manufacture the tablet. And if I put, I'm um, once again, if I've got my purple, purple or pink, 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 pink yes. Zach's pink tablet, yeah, yeah. pink, pink ma- yes. molecule, Zach's right? You want pink. fifty milligrams of your pink mush mm-hmm. in every. Tablet, right? Of pink your, magic. I'd pink magic. Sure, yeah. You want fifty milligrams of your pink magic mm-hmm. in every tablet, right? So you have to show that you know that doesn't mean you know there's five hundred milligrams across ten tablets, but one of them's got one milligram in it, and the other one's got one hundred and fifty milligrams in it. There's really got to be pretty consistently manufactured. So you got to. So part of what you're telling, you're sending in a big packaged uh, dossier or whatever you want to call it to the FDA, um, showing that you've. Is you, this your IND? This is your IND. Got it. Part of it is all about the way you manufacture the, the product itself, mm-hmm. the, the pill. Got all right? right, It's all about in showing that you can do it repetitively, that it's consistent, that it doesn't break down, that, it, that it's stable over time, et cetera, et cetera. The other part is showing that it didn't do any harm to animals. I mean, maybe they got a bit sick if you gave a very high dose. And what you have to do is you have to go to a very high level. You have to go 10-10. 20, 50 times what you're going to give man, you have to go to the to, to the animal. You have to go to, uh, you have to show a no adverse event level. Or no L, they call it. But not like Christmas, because there's an A in there. No A-L, right? So no A-E-L. Uh, no adverse event level. I see. So
0: just to recap, just so I'm, I'm so we've done our research, our basic science. we spent about a million dollars on that. And yep. Everything's looked good. Then the, the big company came and they looked at Zach's Pharmaceutical Inc. and they said, you know what, we're going to start getting our IND ramped up here.
1: So, so well, you made a deal with them, right? Made a deal. No. Okay. Or they may bought it. For, they said we're going to buy it from you now, or some, okay. some, something. It depends like that. what.
0: Yeah, this is, yeah, this is. So, so then, so, so they've made that deal. Now we're going into a special facility that's been approved by the FDA or some regulatory body that says, you know what, we want you to do your testing in here. Yeah. So we're doing it on number one, two species. Say we're doing it on rats and dogs. Uh, And we're doing 50 times the level that's good in their body to make sure, you know, the tox isn't bad on humans when we go to normal one times level or whatever. Uh, And then at the same time, we're also manufacturing, saying we can have a consistently manufactured product that's consistently the same kind of amount of stuff in it, the same quality of stuff in it, quantity of stuff in it, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Perfect. So we've brought all that together. And that, is that our IND? Yeah, it's written. It's
1: a big, it's a massive paper document. Got it's it. already not paper now. It's all done electronically. So you file this, all the data. Um, and and you, you say, and the other thing you file when you file your IND is you file your proposed clinical plan, which talks about the indication why it should work, and you file the IND opening study. That means the first study you're going to conduct in man. That's our phase one. That's our phase one. Cool. into On to the phases. Phase one. Cool. Phase one. So, yeah, uh, everything else is pre IND.
0: Now it's phase one. And you don't start phase one until you get your IND approved by the FDA? Well,
1: sometimes they don't approve it. They give you, you've got 30 days. Now and more and more nowadays, you get a, I forget what it's called, but you get permission to go ahead. Got it. But they've essentially, FDA's essentially got 30 days to say, don't go ahead. I see. Often you'll have met with FDA at least once Mm -hmm. before you file your IND. You'll have Mm -hmm. a pre-IND meeting to ensure that what you give them is the right information Mm -hmm. such that they go, that's fine, you've done what we wanted you to do. You know, they may have special concerns, da-da-da-da-da. Don't forget, they've seen stuff that you haven't seen. Mm -hmm. They see everything. So they have a a huge knowledge base having seen drugs come that didn't get through, that failed at various stages that you won't ne- may never have heard of, right? So they have a deep, deep knowledge of what to look for and what to ask you for in order to allow you to put your drug into man. Got it, got it. So, so say they don't cancel our drug, yes. our drug's fine.
0: Now we go through with the study that we already proposed, Yes. which is our phase one trial.
1: Yes. What is our phase one trial? Very likely, it's something called... So, firstly, it's very likely to be conducted, unless it's in cancer, it's very likely to be... Because cancer drugs can be very nasty drugs. Because, once again, benefit-risk, right? Benefit-risk. But in the main, in this osteoarthritis drug, the first study is going to be called what they call a SAD study. Single ascending dose. Okay. So, you'll have... uh, I'm going to make this up. You'll go to a very small dose. So, let's say, eventually... Zach's purple pill, pink pill, Zach's pink pill is going to be dosed at 50 milligrams a day. One tablet once a day, 50 milligrams of, of, ah, two more terms, right? Uh, API, 50 milligrams of API. So API is the active pharmaceutical ingredient, right? Got it. So your api is 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 if you imagine it's that structure that mm-hmm. tiny that sort of molecular structure molecular that, yeah. structure yeah. right and you've produced it it's a salt mm-hmm. it's typically mm-hmm. a, like sodium chloride is mm-hmm. is salt literally yeah. salt right this is maybe another form of salt right and you're going to produce mass amounts of it it's called the api a tablet may may be i don't know you've seen tablets mm-hmm. right you've seen tiny tablets yeah. big tablets but a tablet might have Together, maybe a 250 milligram tablet, because it comprises 50 milligrams of API active mm-hmm. pharmaceutical ingredient, and then it's got 200 milligram of what they call excipients. Okay. That's the other stuff that's put in, think of it like a starch, for example, in order to, to form a tablet with it around it, to make it soluble, mm-hmm. to make it, you know, so it doesn't crumble, so I it's stable, blah, blah, all the rest of it. So you gets can absorb in the gut. You know, you can have tablets, you can have capsules. You've yeah. all seen capsules. You can have yeah. medicine, but this yeah. is, let's say, a basic tablet. Got it. So, uh, so let's say you're going to do your 50 milligram pink pill, right? Yep. All right. So you got your 50 milligram pink pill. It's going to be in 250 milligrams. It doesn't matter what it's mm-hmm. going to be in, but the the active is 50 milligrams of of Zach's pink pink pill potion. Potion. I like that better. Okay, pink potion. <laughs> pink potion. Oh, that conjures up a thought sort of liquid, I, I guess. But anyway. <clears throat> You're not gonna start by giving volunteer human volunteers, generally students, because they do any because you pay volunteers. Yes. What you don't you don't pay patients generally down the road, other than expensive, but you do pay volunteers to be involved in your phase one single as end dose study. You'll start with eight students, volunteers, and you'll pay them whatever you pay them, and your first dose might be one milligram. One milligram in a pill, right? And you'll likely give Six of them, uh, one milligram, and two of them placebo, and it will be blinded. No one will know who's getting what. You'll run the you You'll run the single dose, the first up, first level of the single ascending dose study, and you won't see very much. But what you're looking for is safety. So you'll do EKGs, you'll do lab tests, you'll do physical monitoring of the of the individuals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You're not looking for efficacy mm-hmm. at all. You're just looking for safety. You'll a- assess that information, and then all being well, a, a week later, you'll come back and you'll do the next dose. And it might go to two milligrams, and so on and so forth, six and two. Next day, four milligrams ne- next week, four milligrams next week, eight milligrams next week, 20 milligrams next week, 50 milligrams. And these milligrams. are
0: the same people getting that increase? No,
1: no, no, different, not miss, people. different people. Got it. Different people. So, and it's sort of, you don't know who's getting what, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, I mean, there's different designs. You can do crossovers, et cetera, et cetera. But in this one, this is very basic. And at the end of the day, you might get to, I don't know, 50, 100, whatever. You've gone up. You might go as high as you can, right? If once you've done that, you'll do multiple ascending dose. Because the first one, you know, and, and I don't know, you it, it depends, right? And what I didn't say, what I should have said is how, how, Let's say this. if this osteoarthritis treatment is something you're going to take forever, like if you start on it and it does well, you don't come off it, um, then, you know, you have to prove, you have to do the tox study. So you have, in addition to covering the doses, you also have to cover the duration. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to treat for... If you're gonna go into the clinic for a month, you have to have at least a month's exposure in animals. I see, I see. So anyway, we, so that makes sense.
0: So yeah. so we, we've already have to figure out in our head what the treatment structure is yeah. gonna look like for this drug. We have to go in our head what we think, how long these people are gonna right. have to be on this drug.
1: Okay. Right. So you may have to go up to, and there's more to the tox programs. Yep. There's a lot more to it. There's other stuff you have to do. You have to do uh, uh, gene- genotoxicity studies, which is what happens if, if a pregnant Rat takes it. Does mm-hmm. it cause teratology, which is that sort of... Damage to the embryo. Damage to the embryo. Right. Uh, you have to do carcinogenicity studies, which are two-year studies in animals. You have to do CARC studies. What you called CARC On study. all drugs, you have to do the CARC uh, studies? Those that are going to be lo- used long-term. What you is
0: long-term? You have longer than I mean, yes, yeah,
1: lo- a year or longer. You have to do CARC longer.
0: studies. Wow. And what is, what is the most... This is kind of a silly question. Just popped in my What is the most common adverse effect that you see in these initial stages? Is it nausea? Humans? Yeah. Is it headache?
1: Headache. Really, headache. 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 Because everyone gets headache. You're stuck and in there. So don't forget, you're stuck in this lab. Yeah. Twenty four hours a day. And is the
0: headache significantly different in the people taking the treatment drug versus placebo, or is there no difference? Because I uh, know you said six people are taking it, right? That's very. And that's, then two why, people. that's why.
1: That's why. You put the two people on placebo. Got it. Okay. Because often you'll find there's absolutely no difference, or everyone gets nauseous. I mean, these six people are all together in this like hospital ward for forty eight hours, right? Oh, they, they
0: keep that. You have to. They can't. You, they they can't stay home, there. They stay, they stay, stay there because you're doing uh, blood. You samples. don't know what's going well, on. Well, you're also strong. doing
1: s- blood samples. You're also uh, taking blood tests okay. on these because you want to know what. We haven't even talked about this, but you've got to know what the pharmacokinetics of the drug are, what
0: the levels are in the body, what the levels.
1: So if I take the tablet, how quickly does it get into the body? Right? How that's just part of the phase one. Yeah, it's called pharmacokinetics, which means drugs. I mean, it. it so the phase one is also helping the company as well because they're learning how they're. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's all helping yeah. the company. Yeah. You know, you want to see one. If I take the drug, how much of it is absorbed? Yeah. So if I take fifty milligrams of Zach's purple. Potion, pill, whatever. Um, And then I sample the blood and I work out that only, I mean, I gave 50 milligrams, but only one milligram gets in. It's only, or or only, let's say 10 milligrams get into the body, right? The rest Mm -hmm. just goes straight through, doesn't get absorbed, goes out in the feces, right? That means it's only 10 over 50, 20% bioavailable. Got it. Orally bioavailable. You took it it through a bit. If you inject it, it's usually 100% bioavailable. But if you, Take it orally; it's twenty percent bioavailable. And bioavailability is determined by levels in the bloodstream. Well, th- th- so I gave fifty milligrams yeah. as a tablet. I worked out; it's not that straightforward. But you work out that of that fifty I gave, only ten actually got into the body. Got it. Only ten okay. getting got absorbed into the body, and I measure uh. the. And you can do the mathematics. It's mm-hmm. complex stuff. It's there's. Very smart people Uh, Statisticians do this, and more, more what we call DMPK experts—drug metabolism and pharmacokinetics. That's a job. Is that a is that a PhD? Does that? Well, often people who train in who have PhDs do that job. Mm -hmm. But that's just the starting step, right? These guys then get to become experts, and they have all sorts of uh, pro. uh, software to wow. sort of to, to to work this stuff up. So so fundamentally though, but if I take a tablet, only ten percent gets into the, that means I'm wasting eighty milligrams, right? I mean, forty milligrams, only ten gets in, so it's twenty percent bioavailable. You don't want that. You want somebody to be pretty, and most oral drugs are more than that. Mm-hmm. They can be, they're pretty much hundred percent bioavailable. I, ibuprofen, for example, Advil. I think that's pretty highly wow. bioavailable, for example.
0: So we've given these people our, our fifth. We've given them these ascending doses yes. in the hospital. We've taken their blood. No one's gotten super sick. Right. Everyone's been okay. We've gotten good data back from it. Um, do we have to then show these results to the FDA before we go forward?
1: These no. Phase one, you're no unless go, they've said, "Look, this is a very dangerous drug. Yeah. We think we're deeply concerned about it. You need to come back to us before you go to phase. Before so you three, go whatever. to phase one, the two, three. Yeah. Got it." So, not, but if they haven't said that, if they're particularly, you know, if they're not concerned about it, they they can say all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. We want you to put um, a safety monitoring board in place that looks at this. and You've got to come back to us after that. You've got to take all sorts of... They can say all sorts of things. But I if see. it's generally speaking...
0: If, they, they say you can just... You're doing the phase one just on your own end. Yeah, and then you can go to phase two. And then you just go to... With any, without anything from the FDA. Oh, that's we cool. don't necessarily have to go to them at that point. You don't I, have to go I'm to guessing them. you could get in... Legal trouble, however, if you were doing the phase one trial and six of the people died and you said, you know what, I don't think more people will die. We'll just try it in 100 people instead. Yeah, you can get in very then great you'd trouble. In trouble. I you get in trouble. One okay. would hope
1: that no one does that. Okay, right? but, as, but it could be done, right? <laughs> It could, but that's yeah. why you start with a very, very low dose because you start with a dose that's a 50th or a 20th mm-hmm. or 10th of, of the highest dose of the of the no effect level in yeah. in animals. You go very high, you look for a no adverse event level, and then you drop by a 10th of that or a 50th of that before you go into man. So it's very unlikely that something was harmless in an animal that has does great harm to man. A tiny dose. And I've heard this term
0: before, therapeutic index. Is that... That's a number you look for in this in this phase or later phase, because no. that's for because I and it, tell me if I'm explaining it wrong, but that's the difference in the dose that will cause harm versus the dose that's effective.
1: Yeah, that's right. Got but it. you don't know if it's, it's effective because you haven't studied in the effect. You haven't studied effect yet. You Got it. So you're not efficacy, you're not efficacy.
0: efficacy. So you're not worried about therapeutic index in phase one.
1: No, you can't. I mean, can't. it's meaningless in got phase it. one. Got in it, phase you know. one, you're simply trying to go, see how high you can go before you get intolerable effects. I see, I see. You've okay. probably got a good idea where you want to get to. Yeah. But you want to go high. It's, uh, you, know, you want to study numerous doses. You want to get to 50 milligrams, you may study up to 100 milligrams. Right. I see, I you see. Know. You also, and there's a difference between one single dose and, and giving, two, giving a dose for a week, for example. I see. Because there p- could be accumulation. Mm-hmm. So the drug, if I take one pill and I look at the pharmacokinetics, which is the sort of the way it's, it gets, how slowly it mm-hmm. gets into the body, how high its concentration gets and how it's eliminated from the body and distributed in the body. Um, if it takes more than 24 hours, if it's half-life, for example, you know what, half-life. Yes. Yeah, we don't, so it's half-life is like a week, let's say. So if you take 50 milligrams, 50 milligram gets in, and it reaches its maximum concentration. I'm making this up in uh, six hours. Mm-hmm. But then from its maximum concentration to its half of the maximum, so whatever that is, you know, that takes a week. You can imagine when you give the dose on day two, that 50, then it's only, ba- it's only down at about 5 on the, uh, after 24 hours, then you add to it, and you get another six, mm. so that's 11, and then I and see, so on I and see, so on. So see. it goes quite high, right? It, and, and until it reaches steady state. That's what's called steady state. Got it,
0: got it. So this is one of the things you might also learn when you're doing these, these, phase, one these phase one That's what these phase one trials are about. So, our pink pills done well yes. in the phase one? Now, what is phase two?
1: Phase two, um, <laughs> phase two is really proof of concept. Okay. All right? Is that efficacy? Yes. Efficacy. Efficacy. So the concept is, our concept, our construct is our pink pill yes. treats people with osteoarthritis. Yep. So now we put it into patients. I see. So we may run a simple study, right? Um, a randomized, placebo control parallel study in patients with osteoarthritis. You couldn't do a crossover if you understand, there's a difference between parallel design, which is I take 100 people, divide them into 50, blindly I treat one, and randomly I treat one with the drug, mm-hmm. with per per pink pill. Yes. And the other half I treat with um, uh, placebo. Yep. They all look the same, right? Um, but I couldn't do a crossover, which means I treat you know, 50 with one thing and 50 with placebo, then after, I've done that for a sort of... four you switch six, it over. You might switch it over and everyone gets the opposite. Because, got Because actually you might be helping the condition. So when you end having your pink pill for six months and you go to placebo and vice versa, you're not the same as when you went in originally, right? I see. Yeah, 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 that makes yeah, it sense. It doesn't make, you know, so you have to do parallel design. Got it, no. got it. So that's a phase two proof of concept. How many people? Well, it's an interesting question. Right, mm-hmm. that's a really good question. So there's a bunch of factors that come into consideration when you run a clinical study. Um, firstly, do you want statistical separation, right? I mean, everyone's heard of p.05 or the null hypothesis. The null hypothesis states that um, there's no difference between active and placebo, and the whole idea of a good clinical study is to disprove the null hypothesis. And that's generally done at an alpha, or a p-value of less than 0.05. Got
0: it. And that's the chance that the results are not from
1: random results. Basically, yes. From yeah. random things happening. Yeah, Got it. that it didn't happen. It's not. It's not a. It's not a false positive. Got it. You know, mm. you know it, 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 it really is true, right? So, um, so uh, do you need to do that in phase two? I don't think you do. Generally, you just say I'm going to do fifty patients per arm, because I don't know what my drug does. It may mm-hmm. be tiny effect. It may be a massive effect, but I have no idea, right? So there's all sorts of different experimental design you can do, but fundamentally, you might say, look, we've only got I don't know five million dollars, right? So the study will cost a bigger study is going to cost us way more than that. So we can do a three month study, um, fifty per arm, and we'll look at what happens, and we'll pick our Endpoint, which is often in arthritis, it's called something called the WOMAC scale. Okay, uh, which I can't remember what it stands for. I know what that is. What is the endpoint? Uh, usually, things like how much pain, how much swelling, and how much dis- how much how much how much pain you often ask the patients at the beginning how much pain are you in, how much pain are you in it. So that this point? is the primary result you're looking for from your drug. Yes, throat. it's a scale. It's a scale. I think, and I haven't done this stuff for a while. Uh, but I think it's, if I remember correctly, suddenly, there's a pain component, there's a swelling component, mm-hmm. swelling and redness. Yeah, so, so, okay. so not specifically for arthritis, I
0: just mean in general endpoints are just kind of what's, this is the main thing you're looking for with your drug
1: to show it's effective. Well, you've opened a whole nother can of worms. Got it. <laughs> um, so, you know. <laughs> I'm good at that. Um, yeah. Um, so what is an endpoint? Well, you can use, they can be, they can be biomarkers. Let's start with the one. Is that the best? No, it's probably the worst. Ah. Uh, So a biomarker, but it depends, right? It depends. So an example of biomarkers are blood pressure for hypertension drugs, cholesterol for high cholesterol drugs, um, and glucose or HB1AC For for diabetes. Why are these acceptable biomarkers? Because there has been so much work done that has demonstrated that high blood pressure... High pressure in itself is not a bad thing, but people with high blood pressure have strokes and heart attacks. So if you can bring it down, the Framington study, et cetera, et cetera, these massive sort of, uh, whatever they called it, cohort studies, looked at what happens with people with high blood pressure and shown that if you have high blood pressure for a long period of time, there's all sorts of morbidity and mortality associated with it. So you can get... Uh, high blood pressure will give you, uh, you know, it'll give you strokes, it'll give you heart attacks, it'll cause you to die, it'll cause renal failure, et cetera, et cetera. So there's an inherent, there's an acknowledged benefit in reducing that biomarker. So I see. blood pressure bringing down. Cholesterol, everyone knows high cholesterol for a long time is bad for you, unless yeah. it's good cholesterol, good high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. But generally we're talking about LDL, not yeah. HDL. Uh, Hb1ac, a great marker for diabetes, right? So you can measure glucose or Hb1ac. HB1EC, A1EC, I think yeah. I always model that one yeah. up. Um, but these are all great biomarkers. They're approved by FDA. They allow you to run studies on that basis, right? So that's the first one. Got it. Um, biomarkers or surrogates is another way of talking about those, surrogate endpoints. So they're, not re- they're sort of mm-hmm. one step removed. The next one, which is not the normal one, um, are signs or symptoms. Sort of so uh, you know, in this case, the womac it 's osteoarthritis um, you 're looking at reduction in pain you 're looking at reduction in swelling you 're looking at reduction in or improvement in function. These are all symptomatic or signs uh, so signs and symptoms right you 're measuring those
0: and do these do these signs and symptoms have to be correlated with some physiological change, or I guess not change. So, for example, if, if arthritis, and I'm forgetting kind of what, how the pathophys of arthritis is, but say it's more of these calcifications in the knee bone. Does there have to be a study that says people who have less pain also have less calcifications ah, in the so, knee so bone? So, great.
1: They- that's a really good, that's a very insightful question. Good question. So there's a difference between symptomatic relief and disease modification. Mm-hmm. So some of the drugs, the, uh, the what I forget the ones, the, the biologics for rheumatoid arthritis actually change. If you look at x-rays and things like that, they modify, they disease modify, they improve long-term outcomes. They're not just treating the symptoms. You know, if I take Advil for a headache it doesn't fundamentally change my head. It just treats that particular mm-hmm. thing and then I'm back to normal, right? So, but there are disease monitoring. Model- I mean, I worked in the Alzheimer's space quite a bit, yeah. right? Um, and when we developed Naminda, you know, we looked at, 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 at really symptoms. We looked at cognition and things. We, we improved cognition with treatment, right? We measured cognitive mm-hmm. function. And we showed that, you know, that patients benefited both behaviorally and from a cognitive, cognitive standpoint. But what we didn't do... We, we didn't have disease modify. We never said it slows the progression of Alzheimer's disease. This and there we, are no
0: drugs that do that, right? No, there aren't.
1: No. Uh, they, there were a lot of drugs working in the amyloid space to recently. Trying to do that. Yeah. Trying to do that. And they were thought that might be disease modified, yeah. but they, don't, they didn't show themselves to work at all, let alone disease modified. How much money when were put into those drugs? No, you know? Billions and billions. Oh, yeah. yeah, Loads of billions yeah. into those drugs. Uh, that's a story for another yeah. day. But But, you know, so that's... That's the difference between. So, great question. Yeah. Symptomatic relief and disease modify. If you treat migraine, you're not stopping migraine from We don't even know
0: why migraines happen. Yeah, we so, don't. So, so, we, we can't don't. say exactly. So,
1: then the final one, and perhaps the hardest endpoint, if you like, um, are, are um, uh, outcomes. Outcomes are really solid. So, let me, if you take oncology, for example, right, um, there's three. Lot, there's lots of endpoints, but one, um, uh, there's something called... Co- I'm going to forget what it is. Um, overall, ORR is, is sort of level one. It's a surrogate or a biomarker. What is over. ORR? Overall response rate looks at, from from scans, looks at size of tumor. And if you oh. get reductions in size of tumor, if you add them all up, there's a whole algorithm for how you do this. Um, but that's sort of level one. You can reduce size of tumor, okay. right? Okay. You can reduce side effects. The next one is progression-free survival. That means uh, you treat a patient or a group, you do a clinical study and you look at how, um, one's survival at the end of it. So they have to live, right? And they don't progress. In other words, they don't have a growth in their tumour. So you look, you scan them every so month, two months, six months, whatever, and you look for, and a uh, uh, sort of growth or new tumours, right? Metastases or new tumours, and that if you see that, that's not progression-free survival. So you see what proportion of I patients see. have preferred. And the final one, which is the real one in in, in cancer, is overall survival. Got it. So you get a hundred patients treated with a drug, a hundred treated with the standard of care, let's say, because you never treat placebo, and you look at the overall survival, and it's in it. That's an outcome. Survival is an outcome. Um, In I don't know in a in a I don't the big diabetes for new diabetes drugs FDA likes to look at sort of cardiovascular outcome studies. So you'll treat five thousand patients, and what you want to see is there's no greater incidence of of uh, heart attack. There's only three or four things: heart attack, stroke, or death. Mm -hmm. For example, Um, the COVID um, um, studies that were recently conducted with. uh, Paxlovid, the Pfizer drug, for Mm. example, when they initially came through, it looked at number of patients, proportion of patients on active or placebo who were admitted to hospital or who died. Right, so that was an outcome study. It's a true, you know, it's really difficult for that not to be real. I see. Okay, that makes that makes good sense. So the ultimate outcome study is death. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Died, that's no when you lo-
0: whether that's when you see those you know five year survival rates mm-hmm. and all these kind of things that you see on the people exactly. who have
1: the trials. And and it's very difficult right. to argue with those. Yeah, right? so. yeah.
0: No, that makes sense. So we've done so we've done the phase one. Everything looks good. We're on the we're on to the phase two. We're still on phase two, right. and we've we've said okay for us we want our outcomes, and our outcomes are going to be I don't know whatever this thing you said earlier about this stuff with osteoarthritis and something like yeah. that. So we've looked at these outcomes, and we've said you know what, these people uh, in this blinded trial are the people that are getting Zach's magic pink pill, are having less pain in their leg, they're doing all the good stuff. Right. Phase two. And it's showing, this is a bit, maybe this is a big, will make you go in different directions, but and it's showing statistical significance versus,
1: you know, the, the placebo. Well, you're going to do, your, what you're doing... Is yours? Looking, you're saying. Let's just say it's pain, right? Yeah. Pain scale from zero to ten. Yeah. Patients to get into the study have to score above six on their pain score. Okay. Let's say, right? Yeah. You come into the study. Everyone's got above six. Some have got seven. Some have got eight. Some have got nine. But let's say on average, both group, you randomly allocate them. So the average score in active is seven. Is call it eight. And the active score in placebo is eight, right? Because it's randomized, so there's no reason they should be different. So you've got a bunch of patients. You're going to treat them for three months in a a blinded fashion, and you get to the end, and it's a pain score. And at the end of the study, one group is pain scores down to two, the mean score's two, and the other one's, let's call it five, right? So both have improved because that usually happens because there is a placebo effect. You really want to hope that the five is placebo and the two... Is active, right? The hope. delta, the change from baseline, is actually six for one group and three for the other one, eight to two and eight to five. Mm-hmm. And then you compare. You do uh, what? They, I, I'm an, not a statistician, mm-hmm. but in this particular case, you might do an analysis of covariance, or you know, you could do a chi squared test. Yeah. That's for categorical variables or whatever. But you want to you do a statistical test that says these are not different. Yet the test shows you that if they aren't different, there's only a one in forty chance, or less, one in sixty, one in eighty, one in a hundred chance that this happened by chance. In other words, it didn't happen by chance. Mm -hmm. So that's what you do. That's the test you do. I see, I see. Okay. So if you do that, but you don't, I mean, there's, that's statistical. You can also just do descriptive statistics. I could have done it in 20 patients. It, it, let's say I did 20 patients, 10 in each group, and the mean score dropped to two in one group and dropped to five in the other group on the placebo. Yeah. I'd say, well, that's good. I mean, what are the reasons to not do a very, very big study? Well, one, it takes longer. Two, it's much more complicated. But the really, really big thing in, is it's expensive, right? Yeah. So you know it costs perhaps twenty thousand dollars a patient to put someone into a three-month study, more in some cases. You know, in some oncology study, uh, uh, the cost per patient in an oncology study it could be a quarter of a million dollars a patient. That's insane. Yeah, it's expensive. That's crazy. You know, so you want to you're sort of weighing up all these things. You want to get to a level at the end of phase two that gives you enough confidence that the drug works. Right, it's t- to prove to yourself, or to your outside investors. You're going to need this, them. At this point. <laughs> you're going to need them, or you're a big pharmaceutical yeah. company who's bought the drug off Zach. Yeah, you get a little bit of royalty. Nice. And you, maybe you get ten percent of. I like to keep ownership. Yeah, yeah a you want to keep a little bit of ownership. Yeah. But you know. Uh, generally, the rule is don't be greedy. Yeah. if you can get out for a reasonable sum and then have some, because who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. We give this to more yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. yeah down the road, you might do very well, but you'll get, you know, you mm-hmm. get protected. <clears throat> so, you know, you uh, you want to have sufficient information, either so if it's you, you're going to raise $100 million to run a full phase three program and submit it to the FDA and get approval and then launch it. Or, you know, or if you're a company, then, you know, you got to raise, and you're either going to put your own money into it if you're a big company, or you're going to raise more money to, So we haven't
0: we after the phase two we still haven't had to go to the FDA yet after the phase two trial. The only time we've had to go to the FDA so far is your
1: pre-IND. And you can go to FDA at any point. It's not always the easiest thing to do. You know they don't. You know they obviously there's lots of companies out there developing lots Mm -hmm. of drugs and they've only got limited resources. So you're going to go to them when you can, right? So, Mm -hmm. but fundamentally. The times you go are pre-IND. The other time you go is end of phase two, which you've just got to the end of. Because when you get to the end of phase two, then you're into phase three, right? Phase three is where you spend the really big money because so far you've only spent big money. Now it's really big money. What's big money and what's really big money? Well, it depends, right? But typically, I mean, it's there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of numbers thrown out randomly, right? Okay. For, for a, one, a big pharmaceutical company to have one successful drug to get it through FDA and approved to launch, you know, it's probably a billion, two billion wow. for a drug because there's so many failures. So yeah. many things go down. You've got this massive infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. So you go, there's lots of things fail. And if you're not a big pharmaceutical company, you know, you raise money, you're a startup, blah, blah. Loads, most of those fail too, yeah. right? Most fail. It's not for the weak of heart. This mm-hmm. is a process that takes 10 years and costs a billion dollars. Wow. Yeah, you know, to get uh, on average, maybe more, right? So it's not easy. And it can fall down at the final post, which is phase three, right? You know. I'll, I'm going to do this after,
0: but I'm really interested to know how this worked out with like Lexapro or something like that, how much that cost you. I'm going to save that for later. Yeah, save it. So, so for now, we've done our phase two. Now we bring it to the FDA. So the FD, is the FDA saying you can go to phase three,
1: or are we saying we can go to phase three? Well, we saying they won't stop you going for phase three. So, so They're, it's very funny so it's when nice you talk to have when, them. when you talk to companies. Sometimes yeah. they'll go, "Oh, FDA has sort of said allowed us to go to phase three. It's very rare for them to say you can't do this. Got it. Right? They may say do it in a stepwise fashion. They may say we're worried about this sort of drug. Um, expose a hundred patients, come back to us, let us see the data. Expose five hundred patients, but we're not willing for you to just go jump into a thousand patients, I right? See, see. You know, but most of all, mostly, if you've done all the other steps, and there's no real reason to be concerned with Pat's pink pill, right? It's just it looks okay. It's pretty inert. Didn't harm animals. Does seems to do well. You know, you really can keep going. What you want to do though, when you get to the end of phase two, is you know, at the right, end of phase three, guess where you're going? Yeah. FDA, right? Who's your customer at the end of phase three? FDA and other regulatory authorities. So if you get to the end of phase two and say, oh, good, I'm going to, you know, now I'm going to study it sort of in uh, people with nosebleeds, right? No, you know, and I'm going to go and I'm going to go for a nosebleed claim. Like, what? You didn't, you know, you really want to work with them. As much as you can, I see. you want to ask because there the people of,
0: are it in the end. They're anyway. to prove it
1: in the end, and that you don't want sense. it to come as a surprise. You want to say they'll say, "Look, our proposal is to run two studies, two efficacy studies in patients with osteoarthritis of the knee, let's say, because it may be the a way of whatever joint, thumb joint, knee joint, hip joint, are different, and you may have to do different studies for each. Indic for each. Uh, I see because it may be then. Well, it's okay in this, but not in that. Right? Just because you did it in the knee doesn't mean it works in the hip. Um, you know, so so you want to go talk to them, and you want to say, look, this is how we've done phase two, these are our data, this is the safety, it looked pretty good, a few headaches, a bit of nausea in a few patients, nothing big, nothing bad. Um, you know, often one wants the things that worry you, uh, or that don't worry you, if, if you see an adverse event like raised liver function tests, for example, mm-hmm. a bit concerning, right? But as long as you can monitor them, and they're reversible, then it's less of a concern. So if suddenly, one in a hundred drugs, sort of, you get irreversible liver failure, you aren't going to get that drug approved. Got right? it, got it. But if, if like, one in a hundred times you get slightly raised, I don't know, making up uh, aspartate transaminase, yeah. which is a liver enzyme, yeah. right? So some patients are slightly centered. And in those patients, you just take, you see raised liver function tests, like, within a week. Um, then you can say, look, we can reverse it. We don't, have, we take the drug away in those patients who show raised liver function. I tests. see. It's, okay. it's, it's monitorable. In other words, you can take blood tests for liver function yep. tests and it's reversible. You take it away, it goes away, it comes back to normal. Got right. So, but fundamentally, you probably won't see any of that. You can get a bit of headache, a bit of nausea, you know, typical sort of got side effects. Got it. Of
0: drugs, um, so so phase two has said so we've brought it, our drug to phase two people and the fa- and they've said you know what listen this is good I'm trying to be as basic as possible they said now we just want you to do it in more people they say you know this everything is good just do it in a bunch more people
1: yeah so and well, that, is that uh, what you do it's really not it's then you're into true statistical so then you got to say. These are the, we're running two studies osteoarthritis of the knee, right? Yeah. This is phase three we're talking about. This is phase three. Got it. Yeah. We're going, we want to get approved for treatment of osteoarthritis, mm-hmm. or maybe let's call it, oh, we want to get approved, we want to get a label prescribing. Yeah. You've seen the prescribing yeah. information, yeah. right? All drugs have them. Yeah. They're the sort of, essentially the Bible for a drug. The label. The label. It's what a, company, can only you can only promote or market the drug within the constraints of that label, yes. right? So if you get a label that says uh, you're approved for treatment of osteoarthritis of the knee and you go saying, well, look, I've got it for osteoarthritis of the jaw, you're going to get dinged. Mm, You'll get, you, you know, fined you've contravened, or fined or-, or sued or whatever, right? So um, so you say, look, I'm, I want to go, we want to get approved for osteoarthritis of the knee. We're going to run two studies in patients with OA of the knee. You know, these are three month studies. We'll do some long term work. Um, we'll do whatever else we need to do in that, you know, other sort of safety stuff, et cetera. And then we're going to come back to you with these two results if they're, if they're successful and, and a reasonable safety thing. And that all goes into something called an NDA, a new drug application.
0: Mm.
1: It's a big file, new drug application. There's also a lot. How of- many pages? Million, maybe. I mean, a lot. It can be a lot of pages. Don't forget. Don't forget. Each patient has something. Has a case report form. Uh, So if you go, that goes into a clinical study. I mean, I'm going back to the days of paper. Now it's all electronic data capture, EDC, right? But you'll, you know, you'll have a screening thing which will give all your history, your medical history, your date of birth, all your stuff, right? Which will be. Redacted for the purpose of the sponsor and the FDA. That's not important, you know. The, yeah. The the, the, the HIPAA and all that. Good yeah, HIPAA. Yeah. The, the the site will know who you are, but we won't. Yeah. But you're going to be one person in, uh, at least 1,500. Wow. So so when you go to FDA, there's sort of rules. You have to have, from a safety standpoint, you have to have at least 1,500 patients exposed to your drug at the time of the filing, uh, for all have- drugs. For, but most drugs, not not orphan drugs, fifteen hundred. Or, or, you know, so, but you know, but basic drug, this sort of drug, yeah, yeah at least fifty. You'll probably have three, four thousand wow. patients in your clinical trial program, right? You'll do large studies. You'll you'll have to have at least uh, six months' patient data. On three hundred patients and at least one so this year's is, this data. This is the big one. One year's data on 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 a hundred patients, wow. for example. 100, 100 patients who've had your drug for a year at the higher dose or close
0: to. How high much dose. would this cost? How much does this phase three cost? On at, what would you say on a regular?
1: Oh, who knows, right? Yeah, uh, two hundred million, a quarter of a billion, something like that. It depends, to be honest. You know, one wow. study can be extra. You know, a, a study can quite easily. What's the most expensive
0: one... phase three that you've? Helped with or designed. I
1: don't know if you're allowed to say this. But well, yeah, I mean, I, I, we were doing an oncology study that came in at 120 million. Wow. One study in how many patients? Maybe six, 700 patients, you know. So, wow. but it, they're, they're expensive. Studies are expensive. A typical study is somewhere between 50 to 100 million dollars. Fa- one phase three study, There's, you need to do and a bunch of You need to do a couple. A couple of them, right? So, that, 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 it's expensive. Wow. It's a whole machinery, you know. So, and how much did the phase two cost? Would that be, Would that be more closer
0: to if you're doing 50 it depends. patients? Depends. If you're doing 100,
1: if you, do, you know, maybe you get a 20. You do, for a couple of hundred patients, maybe 25 billion. I mean, million. you're rarely yeah. doing a phase two or three study for less than 20 million. A okay. drug study. devices yeah. slightly yeah. less yeah. expensive.
0: Okay. So we've done our phase two, and now we're doing our phase three. Is there anything else we need before we give the big NDA to the FDA?
1: Well, you've got to demonstrate efficacy and you've got yeah. to demonstrate safety. Okay. And then you've got to do the, uh, you've got to show that you've got a pill that doesn't crumble, that's stable for a reasonable period of time. I that, see. Whether it has to be refrigerated, expiration date, expiration expiration date. I, I see. mean, you see these mm-hmm. things in your, when you take aspirin out of your cabinet, it says, you know, expires... Today, where are we we're somewhere in the middle of twenty two, right? Yeah, it probably says it's good. You know, please don't use after twenty five. Yeah, to twenty twenty five. I mean, the big secret here—not that I'm saying anyone should do it—is that yeah. these things are like rocks, right? It's just it doesn't. <laughs> no company is going to test it for foot. you. Do things yeah. called uh, accelerated testing of how stable something is yeah. you put it up on a shelf in a heated or a very cold yeah. environment very humid see if it breaks down more quickly there's accepted criteria so 6 mm-hmm. months of that counts for two two years of normal room temperature right but so they- fundamentally you're not you no one's got the time all the money all the sort of patience to test something out for 15 years but but they've done studies where they've looked at drugs 30 years later and 90% of them are completely fine i mean it's like Salt, right? And if you're going to yeah. salt in a salt cellar, it might get a bit moist, right? Yeah. It might clog a bit, but but fundamentally, if it doesn't, if it's in a reasonable environment, salt tastes just as good now as it did in 1940.
0: So the expiration dates on bottles are really. It's only because that's as much as they're willing to test it for. As
1: much it been tested, as you know, I mean, yeah. fundamentally, you, it, no one's going to buy a drug that expires the next day because yeah. it's pointless, yeah. right? I mean, then you got to buy it the next day and the next day. So, but you what won't... you're saying is, you might buy it because it's there's no, it doesn't really make a difference. No, something that expired that quickly probably isn't safe. but oh, that's not a basic salt. I see. And of course, it gets much more complicated when you get to large biologics, right? I see mm-hmm. things like that. But if you had,
0: if you saw an aspirin on the shelf that expired yesterday, and its shelf life is approved for five. Years you'd be okay taking yes, it the next year, absolutely. Yeah, okay, and this is you. We're not recommending
1: this. I'm not recommending here. that at all. Yes, I wouldn't say, yes. that. and I'm not speaking for all drugs, yes, yes, I mean, yes, I'm yes. just you know, yes, it's up to me. That's my purely. that's my choice. Is if I don't have it, anyway. yeah, but it's either wait till the shops open the next day, it's not going to do my headache today yeah. and need good. So I'm going to take it because worse comes to worst it won't work quite as well. <laughs> but I'm not recommending, yes, that. of course, of course. Okay,
0: anything else to a phase three? Do you think we've covered most of the things for phase three? Ah, uh,
1: most things phase three. Yeah, um, you know that sort of broad brush. Basics right? at a very Basics,
0: basic. Right? Okay, so we so now we're ready to submit our NDA. So we bring it all together, our million pages, and we give this to, to the pharma company. Is that
1: it? And then we we'll the give next, it to the FDA. The FDA. We go into an elect what they call electronic gateway.
0: Electronic gateway. That's you how you submit to you FDA. You submit all this information. Yes. Oh, God.
1: And and then and then how long does it take for them
0: to say yes or no? Well,
1: typical time is about a year. Okay. Um, because they, they have to they have to they look through the data, yeah. then they may audit. They may go I out see. to some of your sites. They want to go to you know you do one study may have yeah twenty or thirty sites. Some studies yeah. have a hundred sites. Yeah. This OA study is likely to have 20 sites, 30 sites, something like oh, that. Oh, so they'll actually investigate where the studies were done. They go to the sites. Ah. They see how it's conducted there. They look at the data. They'll go, they'll go, they'll go and verify everything at there. They, FDA inspectors go to the sites to look at the centers to see how they conduct something. You know, I talked about GLP, yeah. good lab practice. Yeah. There's GMP, which is good manufacturing practice. Mm-hmm. And there's GCP, which is good clinical practice. So the studies need to be uh-huh. done under the, under the sort of flag of good clinical practice. I see. Because we see this at the hospital. I see sometimes patients.
0: You know, patients are partaking. A certain patient yeah. is part of a study. Yes. So you need to make sure, and there's rules that they tell yes, us to follow, absolutely. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Got it. So they're checking to make sure those rules are followed, yes. and the rules are given in a proper way, yes. and all this kind of that stuff. That okay. it was followed, because obviously it. it's after the fact yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. So a year comes by, and this is, I guess, huge, right? And then whether yeah. your drug's approved or denied. Well,
1: you'll get back and forth between yeah. you and the agency, and they'll go and visit the manufacturing site. Yeah. If they haven't been there before, they will yeah. go, you know, and uh, they'll go and check everything out and dig deep, and they'll and do re- have, and they recalculate all the... They, do, they actually have raw data, so they will look at, you know... They'll do it all the data again on their own. They'll reanalyze some uh, of the data themselves. That's, not, that's reassuring, it actually. It yeah. is reassuring, yeah. So they'll look at raw and data. And do you have...
0: I guess this depends on you. You are very experienced in this field, but I guess, do you have a general
1: gut sense of whether you think
0: the drug's going to be approved yeah. or not when you
1: send it? Yeah. 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 I mean, if there's no great safety issue yeah. and it works, it will get,
0: a, it generally will get approved. Got it. it have go you been back. surprised ever where they said no and you're like, this was a, I thought this was a shoe-in, I thought this was a slam dunk?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know... Um, Oh, we've been surprised when we've got the label back, yeah. right? The original first label. Mm-hmm. When you get back from them, you go, what? You know, so it's like... Because they write... What do they do? They write things They write like, things... Well, you've heard of... Black uh, box. Black box warnings. Yes. Uh, or, or, or sort of heavy contra- uh-huh. contraindications. Things like Was- that. Uh, what was where was the surprising? Where was it, was it
0: in contra- specifically in this situation you're talking about? Was it a black box? Was it a indication warning? Was it, it was.
1: A, uh, I think it was a black box back in. Really? The, yeah, yeah. Do you
0: remember what drug it was? Yeah, for? I do. What?
1: Well, uh, Lexapro?
0: Lexapro. Think, and Lexapro. was this the was this the big um, the
1: suicide? The su- no, no, that no. was nothing to do. with that. that was well, well after that. Got it. Say. What was the? This was about uh, QTC prolongation. I don't know if you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know
0: yeah, QTC. So a bit, that yeah. so I. If and if I'm explaining this wrong, let me know. But QTC prolongation is basically a certain part of the way the heart beats is a little bit too long. Yes,
1: yes. Certain, it it extends. I think it's the, the PR t- interval. The P, it's the repolarization. Yeah. Okay. Of so, so yeah. you know the heart. Um, yeah. Drugs. So for a long time now, drugs. Not, not PR interval. Sorry. D- yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but it's you know if it goes too long, and really that's a long, really long time. Yeah. You know things like. There was a drug, I think, called Cisapride, for example, mm-hmm. and then there was terphenidine One, so Cisapride was a, um, what's these drugs that promotility agent, okay. I think. And there was a guy called a drug called terfenidine, uh, which was for allergies. Okay. And these really extended QTC, uh, they prolonged Got QTC it. interval, um, to the extent that you can cause heart block and sudden death. Wow. Got it. So, so you know that, that people really didn't yeah. know about it. But when they started to know about it, you know, and certain other drugs, Melaril. I don't know if you heard that. That was uh, thyridazine was taken off the market. Mm, it was no. an antipsychotic for because it, it caused sudden death. We didn't know these things uh-huh. when they were first developed. So now you do part of your whole program. Now is something called a thorough QT. Uh, thorough QT study, did They get lots of EKGs? No, 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 no. It's actually much more extensive than that. Oh. It's a sort of a, the, the volunteers come in and they're given the drug and they're given a drug for, uh, uh quinolone i forget the the one of it any which is known to prolong qtc by 5 milliseconds wow uh, so that's an active control there's placebo there's your drug and there's a super therapeutic dose of your drug so they really care about this qtc <laughs> they really care about this qtc thing mm. um and you know um and it goes into the label so there are you know 10 millisecond extension yeah, So lexapro was surprising because
0: well you didn't it was see it, it was
1: actually what happened and it's a long, it's a sort of a bit of a tortured story. But okay. fundamentally, we thought it was great. You know, yeah. we didn't see anything. And one day we got our label through. We were sitting around the table. This was nineteen actually two thousand and three.
0: And for those who don't know, Lexapro is an SSR. It's an, SSRI, right? SSRI. It's of, it's an yeah. antidepressant. I'm right. pretty sure most people, I think, actually know yeah. about Lexapro, but it's an SSR. It's good. it's it's indicated for depression. Right.
1: Got it. So um so we got it through. And all of a sudden it had this black box in the sort of the about QTC prolongation warning flashing bells lights and we said whoa where did this come from you know complete surprise right And what happened is um and I remember sitting there with uh, uh, one of my co-workers and we were looking at it and we blew us away because we were dismayed and it was remarkably odd uh, and and then we we saw that one of the one of the studies, which was an open-label study. So they said they were worried that you went to 30 milligrams, which was above the actual dose that was originally. It was 10 and 20. They're worried you get a little bit more than 20, and all of a sudden you get QTC prolongation. Big Because they weren't worried about mm-hmm. 10 and 20, which are the approved dose, mm-hmm. just the 30. And we go, well, one, we don't use the 30. But what had happened is um, in, I think there was a study Trying to think, whatever. Yeah, it was. A, it was a phase one study, phase one yeah. study in volunteers, right? And this was a phase. In phase one, you test all sorts of doses. Higher doses. Yeah. Higher As, doses. Ascending drugs. Ascending yeah. drugs. So we tested thirty milligrams, yeah, right? Ascending dose. And at thirty milligrams, there was this big jump in in the only study that tested thirty milligrams. There was this big jump in QTC, right? Uh, so I looked. I remember looking at the data from that one study, and what we saw oddly enough, was all of that big jump, which was completely not seen anywhere else, actually occurred when you went from zero, it was an open label, it was a single arm, right? Mm -hmm. And it all occurred when you went from zero to 10 milligrams. Mm -hmm. So this massive jump occurred between 10, it was only, it wasn't a large number of patients, Mm -hmm. small number of patients. Mm -hmm. We said, well, that doesn't make any sense. We've got literally thousands of patients worth mm-hmm. of data who've been treated with ten milligrams and twenty yeah. milligrams, and we don't see that at all. So this was an aberration. Yeah. So I remember it awfully clearly because the guy was uh, I I used to work with was a brilliant writer, and so he and I sat and he, and I said, look, I think this is this is aberration. He said, yeah, I, I agree. So I said, do you think you can write something, uh, explain it? So he wrote a three-and-a-half-page, brilliant, I wish I had it to this day, a three-and-a-half-page, because it was quite clear yeah. what had gone wrong. This was an aberration, but it, there's tons of data to show it's nothing with yeah. 30. It was all at 10, and we know 10's incredibly yeah. safe. So he wrote this enormous... Beautifully prose. He was fantastic. He eventually, he left. He left the industry uh, uh, and he went to write shows on Broadway. Really? Yeah, yeah. He was such a good writer. He, he was a zany guy. Uh, he used his uh, computer because at the time, you know, we were using computers, but even back that was early 2000s. He just used it as a coffee stand uh, for his coffee for his coffee maker because he wrote everything in tiny little <laughs> pencils they're about that big like uh, two inches long and he'd oh anyway so he wrote this thing so we got on the phone the next day to talk to the division director the head of the neuro uh, psych neurofarm, farm i guess it was so they would combine neurology and mm-hmm. psychiatry uh, and we said listen um we said did we, you send that you already sent them the we paper. sent them the thing the night before yeah and we got on the phone and he goes, well, what do you think of the label? He said, well, it's horrible, you know. Why, why have you written it like this? And he goes, well, because you got this long QT thing. Yeah. Uh, and we said, well... Well, well, didn't you know? We wrote to you. It's it's not real. It's it's incorrect. It's an aberration. They go. What do you mean? We sent a something through last night, and he 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 said, right, "What did you sign?" And said, so, "Did did someone send something through last night?" We heard on the yeah, other yeah, end yeah, We're yeah. on the he, phone, like, What's right? Up? So he said, "So he said, All right, give me a sec. I've just seen uh, someone's found it. They're giving it to me.'" He said, "We're going to go on mute." And they do this sometimes. You're in a room, yeah, talking uh-huh, to yeah, him. conference call me. room, yeah, yeah, and the conference call. We're sitting all the yeah. head. People at the company. This is a big around. deal, right? Because there's millions deal. and millions of dollars. Billions, so, of billions, billions. Wow. So, so anyway, so they go on mute for 15 minutes, and then they come back on. And they go and and he goes, "You're right. <laughs> this is, we're wrong." He goes, "Give us a chance. We'll change the label." Then, oh my god. Yeah. So, 24 about about sort of later that, it wasn't even that long. a Few hours later, they sent a new label. All the stuff had gone. And and Lexapro was born and it wow. was uh, and it was, you know, it Lexapro was a two and a half billion dollar a year changed, drug. changed the world, right? Yeah. Really. Uh, most popular, I think it's one of the most, if not the most popular antidepressant today. So you really just gotta double check your work. Yeah, you gotta well it wasn't <laughs> well, double check you gotta double check the greater almost. The uh... Well, yes, yes, but they they'd seen a signal. Yeah. They'd seen a signal, and we need it's our job to say it's not to tell them why it doesn't make sense. Their their job's not to tell you. Where you're going wrong. Yeah. Their job's to tell you to look for stuff. And they wow. did it. They did a good job. And and when we gave them clear, pure logical argument, um, the white what didn't make any sense, yeah. they they to their to their credit, they just said, You're right.
0: Wow, that's
1: cool. That was that was cool. That's cool. So then, because I for, I forgot completely
0: forgot about this phase, but there's phase four, right? Yeah. And phase four is just monitoring the drug after it's on the market. No, I mean or there's no. all
1: sorts of things. For one, you launch the drug, okay? Right? So phase four is anything after phase three. Got it's it, all a okay. bit of... All these phases are just man-made constructs, okay. right? You know, there can be two lot, two types of... Fa- you can do phase 3A. You have phase 2A, phase 2B, phase 3A, yeah. three, 3... It's all... Are 2A and
0: 2... Are those just different? You do a different I, uh, number of people, arms? just or... Or...
1: sometimes you take more time to get to three. So if you got do 2A and you weren't really happy, you want to test it again, it, you do another 2A, you call it 2B. It it's got all meaningless. It. Honestly, it's meaningless. I fundamentally... Phase one, phase two, and phase three. And sometimes you don't need phase two. Really? So you can do phase one and phase three. Sometimes you go straight to phase three. I mean really? I, yeah. It depends. If the drug is just if it's a different formulation uh-huh. of you know, it depends if it's a something called a new chemical entity, uh-huh. which is a new chemical entity. Yeah. I mean it's pretty self yeah. explanatory, you know. Or it's a new formulation of something that's already been there, you can jump to phase three. Like if I said if I
0: said, Oh, aspirin's really good at treating glaucoma. Or yeah, that like would be a new indication, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so i go to
1: phase three. You go to phase three because everyone yeah. knows it's relatively safe, yeah. unless you're giving ten times the normal dose. Okay, in which case you probably have, have to, to restart. You, well, you may have to do some safety studies to, to do got that, it. and got another TQT, thorough QT and the other stuff. So after your
0: phase three, you've you've gone back and forth, you've taken the black box warning off your thing because the FDA messed up, and you now you're you have everything approved. You launch right away. I guess this is when you get marketing yeah, team you, and sales. Yeah, you Yeah, and all
1: yeah no, well a lot of what you preparing for launch takes about two years. You get publications. Mm-hmm. You want to get stuff you can distribute to key opinion leaders, doctors. Yeah. You want to educate them. You know, etc., etc., etc. You want to be able to. You what you want to do is educate the healthcare profession about your yeah. drug, the pros, the cons, the dangers, the safety issues, etc., whatever. When
0: do you get and because I because there's the other thing of the intellectual property, right? Is yes. that so? Is that as soon as you get the approval, is that do you get
1: that intellectual property or when does the timing no, start? No, no, Zach. When you first had the idea yeah. for your for your pink pill yeah. and this new structure, yeah. you would file there's three types of patent. Okay. So there's what we talk about is exclusivity. Yeah. In other words, you are alone are uh-huh. allowed to sell your drug. Yeah. Um, So that's exclusivity. There's two types of exclusivity. There's intellectual property exclusivity and there's regulatory exclusivity. So when you first had your brainwave and you generated a little bit of data in these mouse before you even went into GLP, you said, look, this is a great new treatment for osteoarthritis. And you would file what they call a composition of matter patent. Okay. In other words, the actual structure... Of molecular spot. Yeah. That will give you 20 years. And I'm not an IP expert, uh-huh. but that will give you 20 years protection. I see. Okay. But it takes 10 years to get your drug mm. to the market. So you've mm-hmm. lost 10 of those years. Now you for an NCE in the it gets very complicated. New There's all sorts NCE, of room. Yeah. You get some of your time back. You get half the development time back. In other words, half the time it was in the clinic. Yeah. I think it's not also pre-clinic at the clinic time. Plus, you get the time it takes the FDA to review it.
0: I That's see. regulatory
1: okay. added on. So there it's a mixture of both intellectual property, which is through the patent yeah. office, yeah. and the regulatory exclusivity mm-hmm. you get. There's other types. There's formulation patents, which are, you know, I've taken a pill, I've turned it into an injection, and I'm I'm, I'm protecting the, the injection formulation. Yeah. Or there's use patterns, in other words, to your early example. I'm going to take aspirin and I'm going to give it for glaucoma because yeah. no one thought of that before. Yeah. And therefore, I'm protecting that use of it. And these are all different amounts of time and all Different time. Well, they're, they're all, I think, from an IP standpoint, they're 20 years. So they're okay. not that protectable, though. People Got can it. get their way around. It's impossible, or almost impossible, I think, to get around a, um, uh, whatever I called it, a subs, uh, composition even. of matter pack. Got it. Okay.
0: I see. So, because this is the big thing when you have a, a brand name drug, right? right? And then you go to a generic, generic name drug. So this is so this is the twenty year ten year thing. So, for example, uh, yes. Tylenol, right? Yes. And I think people still buy buy Tylenol, anyway because yeah, I love them. And I
1: still buy Advil, but yeah, so. yeah.
0: And they of course, well, it's a, it's the thing in our heads, right? Um, but the the you're not allowed to sell acetaminophen, right, until. I guess, the end of this 20 years? Yes, I see. basically. Okay, got it. Basically. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. That makes sense. And then, so what is, so, so, so you've done these research, you've talked to doctors two years, and then you launched the drug. Right.
1: What is phase four? Is phase four, so... Phase four is anything. It's sort of a broad yeah. brush type. Phase four is essentially what it means is, so if I'm, the drug's on the market. Yeah. They used to call it phase three B slash four, and I never knew what it meant, but fundamentally, and you shouldn't get hung up on this, so really yeah. it's post-marketing. Yeah. Anything that's after the drug first comes to market. So, well, so your pink pill, we've done it for osteoarthritis, and someone thinks, hey, it may also be a great, I don't know. uh, A great. Let's do an experiment for uh, hiccups. Okay. Bad idea. Bad example. (laughs) Or or indigestion. Yeah. It may also work for indigestion. Let's do a study in indigestion. So that's sort of a phase four. It's a new indication, but it's already following the launch of the drug. I see. Or you say, look, it's really osteo. It's really good for osteoarthritis, but I instead of giving it once a day, I've come up with this. Injection Got once it. a week, Got so it. that's phase four too. It's a new formulation.
0: And is there always monitoring going on of these drugs afterwards? No. Or not right. really? Well,
1: there's the company has a responsibility to report adverse ex- adverse events. Got it. So any adverse event gets reported to the company. They file it to the every year they file it. They file I a, see. a report I see. unless it's a serious adverse event, a serious yeah. and unexpected adverse event. Serious yeah. And serious unexpected means yeah. one, it leads to hospitalization, death, yeah. or some serious other sequelae. Yeah. Uh, and two, it's not expected. In other words, it's not written in the label. Yeah, got right? it.
0: Okay, got yeah. it. Okay. And that's the point where you have to go to the FDA or whatever regulatory is. You have to su- submit
1: it to the FDA, right? I, see. I mean, okay. generally speaking, okay. People will die, right? Yeah. Not necessarily related. But yeah. if you get a, 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 you know, for some reason, you start getting incidents of, of acute liver failure, yeah. let's say, and you'd not, you know, it's way beyond what you'd expect. So then there'd be a real, that would be a real red flag. Yeah. Okay. You
0: know? Okay. Awesome. I think I understand clinical trials a little bit better Good. now. I think I do. I think I do. So I just want to talk a little bit more about Lexbro, because I think mm. that's really interesting. I think we're all, many people are aware of it and stuff like that. It wasn't the first antidepressant drug, right? It wasn't the first
1: SSRI. Well, no, the first antidepressant, well, two different yeah. questions, yeah. right? got it. It wasn't yeah, the first SSRI, and it certainly wasn't the first yeah. antidepressant. Yeah. The first antidepressant was probably a monoamine oxidase inhibitor yeah. back yeah. in MAOIs. the 50s. Yeah. MAOIs, yeah. right? Which are effective drugs, but very dangerous. Yeah. And uh, then you had the tricyclic antidepressants, which were probably around from the 60s. Yeah. Um, and the um, but the the SSRIs, the first SSRI, I believe, was something a drug called fluvoxamine. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, the big one, was Prozac yeah. or Fluoxetine. Yeah. Um I think the the well, make the third one, if you like, because a lot of people don't consider fluvoxamine sort of yeah. in them. but So the big, first big one was Prozac or yeah. fluoxine. The second, I think the second one was um, uh, Zoloft or Sertraline, mm-hmm. which is Pfizer's drug. Yeah. Uh, and then the third one was Paroxetine or, or Paxil yeah. or Seroxat in yeah. the UK where, yeah. I, where I was first associated with it. So, um, And then the one after that, I think, was Celexa. Yeah, Citalopram, yeah. With Citalopram, which we yeah. launched when i was at um at forest and then lexapro was after that and Got then it. there was other then they go into the NSRIs, um, which were things like venlafaxine yeah. and duloxetine yeah. which have sort of uh serotonin norepinephrine yeah. drugs and then you had the the one at the slightly different again which is uh, bupropion well butrin i think yeah. you know which is has dopamine norepinephrine and a bit of Dopamine. I guess my be. question is how does Lex so so the
0: reason why LexaPro is so and correct me obviously if I'm wrong, but Lexapro has fewer adverse events than Citaloprim? I'm mixing up generic and brand name now, but Escitalopram versus <laughs> Citaloprim. Well, we
1: done it oddly enough, we so so we're gonna we're gonna go down a little rabbit hole. Okay, go. Um, but fundamentally Selexa is what they call a racemic mixture. Yeah. So it exists in two forms. Mm-hmm. Like Matching gloves, yeah. right? The same molecules in Selexa, That is, yeah. there's ars, there's arcital- and escitalopram. Yeah, so they're the same sort of the same structures. And this is
0: confusing. This is getting into chemistry. This is this is kind they're of a the, mirror their reflection. Orientation. They're right.
1: mirror reflections of each other. So if I if I put my right hand in the mirror, it look yeah. like my left hand, I guess, but it's Got not. It. it couldn't map onto it, right? Yeah. These things look the same in the mirror, but yeah. they're not the same. You, they don't you. They, not, don't, you know, they, they don't, you have put the, your hands over each other; they're not the same, right? Yeah. So that's they're all the same bits: five fingers, knuckles, you name it, right? All the same bonds and all the mm-hmm. same atoms, uh, but they're just different, different looking, different looking o- orientation. Yeah, orientation. the are optical isomers. Yeah. think they call yeah. it. I'm not a chemist either. Um, so, 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 and we said all of the efficacy comes from the S. We worked mm. that one out from from, the, one, side mirror, from one side of the mirror. From one side of the mirror. Um, and the R, we don't know what that does. It may even be harmful. It may well not harmful, but it may cause some le- lack, mm. lessening of side effects. Mm-hmm. So, so we managed to separate it, which in itself was a big okay. it was a big sort of uh, CMC so chemistry manufacturing controls. People yeah. who manufacture drugs, you and you, my yeah. colleague at the time, who's a close friend. Um, his team managed to work out That was
0: a new new technology. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it
1: was called I think it's called moving bed technology. Wow. Very very smart. Very very brilliant man. Uh, anyway, and and he he came up with this sort of way to separate the, or his team came up with mm-hmm. a way to separate the R and the S. So there you could produce the S. And then what we did, um, and once again I worked very closely with this guy. Um, I won't say his name, but yeah. the guy who went off Broadway in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the writer, um, yeah, the writer. And and we came up with a clinical plan, um, and we did, did we did. Four studies because we were going four studies to get esdarabram approved, and one of those studies, which I think was at, uh, 001, I think it was a chat named Brooks is on the on the publication, mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Anyway, uh, he we it was a forearm study. Got it. So we tested in, in in a depression study. And
0: arms is just different endpoints.
1: No arms, sorry, arms as um, so so two arm studies, placebo and active. Yeah. This was a forearm study, so there were four different arms in the study. It was yeah. par- four different parallel arms. Got it. So, so you'll understand it better. So yeah. it, was a, it was a, I think it was six week to study, which is typical for depression. Yeah. And people had to come in with a certain level of depression on something Got called it. the Montgomery-Asperg Depression yeah. Rating Scale we mm-hmm. used. Um, and anyway, so there were four arms. One arm was obviously placebo. Yeah. And then we had two we had two Lexapro arms and one Citalopram arm. I so you see. remember Citalopram is uh, a racemate with the yeah, R It yeah, Has both the mirrors both together. And so the doses you had of Citalopram were 20 milligrams and 40 milligrams, right? We yeah. used the top dose, 40, 40 milligrams. milligrams. So we had placebo and 40 milligrams of yeah. Citalopram. Now if R did nothing and, and it was a 50-50 mix, you yeah. can see that you would expect that 20 milligrams of Lexapro should be equivalent of forty milligrams of of selexa. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you've got twenty milligrams. Forty milligrams comprises twenty milligrams of S and twenty milligrams of yep. R. And if R does nothing, then it's twenty milligrams of S. Yes. Right, and the rest got is it. just nothing, just got waste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we did this forearm study. We picked placebo, uh, forty milligrams of selexa, yes. which is essentially twenty milligrams yeah. of you know. And then we did 20 milligrams of Lexapro yeah. and 10 milligrams of Lexapro. Got it. Right. So we have the good mirror, the good mirror, both sides of the mirror, nothing. Uh, the good mirror, the high dose good mirror, low dose good mirror, both sides of the mirror, and nothing. Yeah. Got it. You want to think about it like that. That's fine. <laughs> and we ran this study. Yeah. And what we found in this study was that obviously everything beat placebo, but the 20 milligram dose really beat. The 20 milligrams of, if you like, of S, which should have been just like 40 milligrams mm-hmm. of, of R, right? Of Selexa, yeah. right? Yeah. The combined one. Because yeah. the, the 20 milligrams was equal to the 40 yep, exactly. milligrams, right? That, that annihilated the 20.
0: In regards to the people scoring on this scale. <laughs> on the scale, scale. drop
1: in the scale. Improvement yeah. in depression. Yeah. So the 20 milligrams of Lexapro yeah. smashed wow. the 40 milligrams of Selexa. Not only that, the 10 milligrams of Lexapro beat the 40 milligrams of Celexa. So half the amount of S in 10 milligrams beat Twice the amount, 20 milligrams in the 40, does that make sense? That's huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we published that and that's why Selexa became, so So we will try to work out why and it may have been, you know, that just that the R didn't, not just didn't do anything, it but it may away. have took away, it may I have see. binded to receptors yeah. or prevented Almost from the like S the from doing it, yeah, yeah, that, bingo, something, something like, it, something like it, that. It. So that was really big, that yeah. study was huge, that's what really benefited it. No, wow. There was no evident difference in, in side effects. So why do
0: people still give, I don't even know if they still do, why do people still give Selexa? Or people still? do. People
1: do because yeah. there's good studies showing it works. It still you know. works. Got it. Got it. it. And this is just one. Yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's amazing. And, you you know, can... and, 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 and obviously, Lexapro was patented yeah. for far longer than Selexa. So Lexapro was... Was more much more expensive than Selexa yeah. for a longer period of yeah. time, despite the fact we believed there was good reason to switch from one yeah. to the other. Um, but other, you know, people thought, well, you know, they used to doing that, and it was very cheap, so we'd yeah. use it anyway.
0: Got it. So I'm But try- nowadays,
1: I think you'll find if, and I don't know this, I, yeah. I'm speculating, but uh, uh, the, I mean, I'm sure Selexa is still prescribed. I know it's still prescribed, but I would. Im- I would guess that Lex more Pro people likes much more. It makes sense to me, and not just based yeah. off what I just heard. Yeah,
0: that's really that's cool. They're both generic, obviously. Got it. So we're going I'm gonna take it down because we're right here. I'm gonna make it much bigger, yes. now broader, and much a, a much more general <coughs> question. And this is what something. So this is something people say a lot, and I just don't even. I I want to hear your perspective because I don't really know. Sometimes people say, and this is again very broad. Some people say, big pharmaceutical companies are bad. And some people say big pharmaceutical companies are good. And I really, I don't know much about these things. So can you tell me from, because it's been your life for right 30 years, right? And you've been in smaller pharmaceutical companies, bigger pharmaceutical companies. Now you're not in pharmaceutical company anymore. Can you tell me what people, or not what people mean, what you think are the true aspects of what people say when they say big pharma is bad? So if there, are, if there are any bad things about big pharma at all, and if, if what are the good things about pharma? So start with the bad, start with the bad. What, so, and not what other people say, but you can lead with that if you want, but lead with what, but in the end, say what you actually think is true that is bad, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, no, I get that. Got it. I, and some people will hate pharma, right? Yeah. Just like some people hate all corporations, yeah. they hate Microsoft, Yeah. They hate, you name it, right? Yeah. Everyone, lots of people hate all sorts yeah. of different things. Uh-huh. But I discount that, Yeah. Right? I mean, I, fundamentally, I'll start with the good because it's obvious and, and just sort of you go yeah. back two years, yeah. the world was completely shut down. Yeah. And Pharma broke that spell. Yeah. They came up with vaccines, yeah. they freed the world. It was incredible. They, you know, before that, they treated AIDS. You know, you name it. So mm-hmm. so saying it's big pharma's bad is just I from my perspective and I've been part of it for a yeah. long time, I just think that's that's ignorant. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I I I If you want want to say what is bad about Big Pharma, I don't think it's bad about it because bad's got a sort of, it's an emotive word, right? What is Big Pharma not very good at? Got it. My view. Yeah. My view is they're not very good at discovery. They're not very good at research. When I've been in Big Pharma and I've spoken to friends in Big Pharma, yeah, I think coming up with a better mousetrap, coming up with your pink potion is because you're a nutty guy sitting at home, got, you know, just thinking out outside the box. You're not... You're not constrained to a nine-to-five job yeah. in a lab, you know. I don't think putting someone in a corporation, certainly not for breakthroughs and discoveries, is a good way to get breakthroughs and mm-hmm. discoveries. I think most of big farmers, big drugs, have come from outside, the in-license it. My own right. view is that they're not the best place to come up with a discovery. Got it. And
0: this, is this so the distinction between maybe invention yes. and
1: innovation? Well, I don't know. That's that's a real Invention and what's a not innovation. I mean, see, so I would yeah. call it between you call it R and D, right? And we've talked about it yeah. earlier on. Yeah. Research is you coming up with a brilliant idea, putting it in a few rats and saying, yeah. Oh, it works, right? Yeah. Great. Or even just coming up with a brilliant idea. Got it. I find that very I find you can't do that in a nine by nine by five square box. I see. You have to have a zany genius yeah. who who's just got a better way of doing something. And there's so many people out there with so many brilliant ideas that it's much more likely to come from outside than inside. Mm -hmm. And historically, I think the data shows that. Yeah. at least from what I've heard, you yeah. know, that most of the good stuff comes out from elsewhere. I see. So,
0: for example, Pfizer, which I think everyone heard of. Yeah, they, they
1: buy most of this. They, they buy companies. They don't have a little lab somewhere in a oh, corner Oh, they have. That they spend billions with, of dollars okay. on, on discovery and, and so do all the major pharma companies. But you don't think they're as good as at that
0: as, as the random person? That. I think got they're
1: it. better at searching. As me and my pink... Yeah, you and your pink belt. They're might I think they're really good at search and evaluation, yeah. looking outside, seeing yeah. what's around, yeah. buying it. Yeah. Or or investing in it and then buying mm-hmm. it in. That that bit I think is the weakness. And yeah. I'm not I'm not alone in this view. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel this way. So why know? don't
0: these big farm I guess maybe the big pharma come it. Because well,
1: lives. there's all sorts of reasons. Yeah. Firstly, they've got this massive infrastructure. What yeah. they're meant to fire loads of people. Secondly, they might come up with something. Okay. Um, thirdly, there's potential an ego aspect. This, I see. Right? I mean, some of this is somewhat heretical, yeah. but it's, you know, I mean, uh, anyway. So, you know. Um, but what I think they are extraordinarily good at yeah. is development. Yeah. I think they're really good at Coming up with the way to formulate a drug—that's the medicine, mm-hmm. the building the medicine, right? Yeah. The capsules, tablets. Yeah. the, You know, they're really good at that. Mm-hmm. They're really good at doing the development, working mm-hmm. with FDA, running clinical studies. Yeah. That's—they're fantastic at that, and they're also really good at what they what you would call commercializing a drug. In other words, reaching out to opinion leaders. Mm-hmm. Providing data, educating, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. supporting those drugs in the community, monitoring them for any side effects that come up. Yeah. So I think they're really good at what you would expect a large corporation, corporation to do, which is once it's once the discovery is made, mm-hmm. they can turn it into they something can get it going, real good, real big. So, uh, so give it. So and look what they did once again. Look what they did with the vaccines. They That's didn't exactly come. The up with the vaccine, yeah. they bought in from the various. You know, mm-hmm. BioNTech, for example, did it yeah. they all AZ merged with work with some guy, Pfizer worked. They didn't do it, you're right. They, yeah. they you
0: know So Mike, so this is the the next part I said, this more these side or edger cases, not I guess it's not that edge, but when you have a great breakthrough drug or technology, right? There it's under a separate set of rules, right? What do you mean? So, from the FDA. So, they can be approved more quickly by the FDA? uh,
1: Yeah, yes. There's all sorts of processes. There's things called fast track. Okay. There's this orphan drug designation, which is for a... um, Orphan drug is for, for a rare disease, Got under 200,000 cases a year in Do the Do you
0: world. know, and I know this is what what you dealt with, so you might not know, it's fine, but for the vaccines, right? For yeah. the vaccines, was well, that, that was That, was, that, that, was,
1: that was emergency use authorization. Emergency and that's a whole use. different level. Oh, okay. Emergency okay. use authorization. And that
0: means they don't, Need to do as many trials? Yes, they something got it? like it. I'm okay. not a
1: great expert, but yeah, basically they see there's this massive need, so they push it through, got right? right. Okay. I mean, you know, really, it's about yeah, you know, it's always about risk benefit yeah. sort of balance, right? Here they see massive need, and yeah. you know, they launch it without all the testing that you do. For example, a yeah. different t- typically a vaccine could take five to seven years. I'm not a I've not done vaccines or yeah. developed them, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm,
0: and this I, one was one to two one, one year. year, one well, year. It clearly, That's it insane. came out at the end
1: of 21, yeah. and the you know, it's amazing. So, yeah, you're right. You know, you're right, so you're I right, mean, right, that's remarkable, right. right? So there's other type of fast track systems. Uh, there's something called accelerated uh, approval. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, you know where, um, um, where you can sort of get approved, and then you have to do another study to prove. Got often it. in oncology, Got for it. example, you get approved on a surrogate endpoint, and then you have to do the follow up study to mm-hmm. show that it really works in overall sur- survival, for example.
0: So, do you th- so out of your whole. Big pharmaceutical career. Do you think what was the
1: most exciting drug you ever worked on? Was it Lexapro or was it? Uh, Lexapro was yeah. was fantastic. Yeah. It was huge. Um, Namenda. That was Numenda. the only drug um, to be a new new mechanism of action. Yeah. to be approved for Alzheimer's disease in moderate first drug in moderate to severe patients, I think ever approved. Wow, So in severe pain. And 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 the last drug. Other, if you exclude the recent, was it Biogen drug? The, 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 the amyloid drug, mm-hmm. I may have got the company wrong, which caused all this consternation. Which many people believe doesn't work. Yeah, uh-huh. um, uh, which no one, very few people have And the idea
0: for. behind this drug is that it's like an antibody that binds. An antibody they, to
1: amyloid that stops that because, And but,
0: the, but I guess their reasoning behind these studies what, was you're saying the amyloid is causing the issue. So yes. if you take her out, the cause of the issue, but maybe the amyloid is a byproduct of the issue as opposed to causing. This is just me creating things. Yeah, in no, my head. and that's a
1: but yeah, yeah. very reasonable yeah you know, that's the the, the idea yeah, I think that's right I, yeah. once again i don't know either' this yeah. is just but I think what you're saying is yeah, yeah, some people thought ah, the amyloid causes it it's a yeah. consistent factor and, and you know more amyloid in mm-hmm. worse worse dementia, but others would say, yeah, but whatever causes dementia is also causing the buildup of amyloid, and if you cure what causes, if you stop the cause of the dementia, yeah. you also stop the cause yeah. of the amyloid, Or maybe the amyloid is caused by cells breaking down or degenerating or atrophy or whatever you want to call it. Um, but just taking away the refuse doesn't stop the process yeah. that caused the refuse in the first place. If you think about it like that, yeah,
0: yeah, no, that makes sense. So one or two more questions, and then I think we're because because I also I want to ask about the because it's an interesting career too. You know, going yeah. from medicine, psychiatry, then you go to pharma, uh, and then you go to now you're working in a, like a healthcare investment firm, yeah. right? So I think we're going to have another time to talk about all this. But right. in this same field of drugs and devices and things like that, I think a good question is within what you can talk about, right, to the public factor, what do you think is the most exciting new drug or technology or space in the future to you and wh- whatever you're you're working with or on right now? And again, whatever you can talk about within the legal realm.
1: <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to talk sort of a generic level, yeah. right? Um, not that I'm hiding anything. Uh, particularly yeah. significant, but you know, if you, and there's no one specific area. I mean, I think that the the balance is right. Yeah, you know, um, I think the balance is you know, if you can spend a billion dollars to save one life, or you know, a billion dollar to save. To make a meaning, huge meaningful difference in the lives of a million people. I see. What's you know, that's that's going to be one of these healthcare equations that people are going to tangle Got with, it. Right? Okay. You know, so that's that's what. The, so I don't know. You know, is it greater to affect a million people in a slightly in a reasonably positive way, yeah. or save the life for a billion? You know, for, one, for person. one person. I see. You know, because yeah. you can't. There's only so many healthcare dollars mm-hmm. to go around. So yeah. that's the first thing, right? So I think it's difficult to weigh out which is more important. Mm. Um, so that that's one thing, and it's just it's just one of those conundrums. Um, what's exciting? I, look, I think uh, I, what has been let's say what has been yeah. very exciting. We've spoken about COVID vaccines. Yeah, yeah? amazing, quick, yeah. bang, done. Yeah. you know, other vac- vaccines make probably the biggest impact of any other intervention. Mm-hmm. Right, we know this. Right, know polio, yeah. diphtheria, you name yeah. it. Right, yeah. all this stuff. Um, So that's remarkable. Um, Immuno-oncology, incredibly expensive. Mm -hmm. But in a few, a very small cohort, actually the first real intervention, oncology intervention, I mean, there are some exceptions, of course, but these ones can actually sort of Reverse cure cure cancer in wow. some patients, right? So, and you can do it. And I've heard
0: about one. I sorry to interrupt, but isn't there one that like is pdl one or something? Yeah, like yeah, that? yeah, PD one, PD one. Got it, got it. it. The Merck drug. And this the, is when you have uh, you have is this similar antigen antibody
1: targeted yes. drug therapy? It's t- essentially stopping the body's immune response. It's, all drug resp- it's, targeted, it's restarting the immune response of the body to cancer. Oh. it kicks up. You know, it, it the body's T cells. Are re engaged to fight cancer because cancer's clever and it stops T cells engaging. Uh-huh. And what you're doing is they call it taking your foot off the brake. So you're, you're stopping the breaking of the T cells attacking oh, that's the awesome. cancer. That yes. is cool. Yeah. So that's that's, really that's those couple of drugs, one with Merck, one with yeah. BMS, a few others, PD1 yeah. inhibitors and PDL1s and whatever. So they, those are quite some remarkable responses there, a huge difference, right? Um, so we got vaccines, we got those. Uh, for myself, yeah. being a psychiatrist, a CNS guy, yeah. I think we've only just started to tap. You've, we've talked about it. Alzheimer's mm-hmm. disease, right? What causes it? What? Schizophrenia, one of my, my personal, mm-hmm. personal sort of, where I sort of did a lot as a psych, practicing mm-hmm. psychiatrist, an incredibly devastating disease, mm-hmm. which we can sort of treat symptomatically, and there's some great antipsychotic drugs out there. But it's a, it's it's a hideous disease, and we mm-hmm. we really are just scratching the surface. That's sort of somewhere I'd love to see major breakthroughs in that area, in That'd that arena. Cool. You know, because um, what is one percent of all people have schizophrenia, right? Yeah, yeah, wow. and pretty much standard across yeah. the world. It's a bizarre thing. It depends on. It's not. It's not related to wealth or race or nationality yeah. or yeah. geography or you name it it's pretty consistent the only one thing that it is it is genetic right mm-hmm. so it occurs in families yeah
0: interesting so and we're going to save it the next time you come we're going to talk about how you go from doctor to pharmaceutical company to investment firm because i think that's really go. interesting too. <laughs> but dad ivan gurgle thank you so much for taking the time to talk i think this is really helpful now i know phase of a clinical trial. And my pink drug will be released in the year 2025. Please go to pinkpilldrugszachhighley.com, pharmaceutical.com forward slash thanks. Thank you so much for seeing, listening, watching this episode. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thank Thank you so much, Dad. Thank you. (laughs) Bye.